This presentation is brought to you by Darkshore Capital, crafting capital management solutions for your world. Hello, today is the 19th of October, 2020, and this is This Week in Goldmaking. My name is Andrew, and I'm going to be taking you through a few different topics and topics of discussion about goldmaking in the world of Warcraft. The first thing I'd like to do is get into our weekly stand-up. For those of you who don't know what this is, it's a chance for myself and you listening at home to let me know what have you been up to in the past week, what are you planning to do in the next week, and is there anything giving you trouble in the world of gold making? Feel free to say it out loud, leave a comment on the YouTube, reach out to me on Twitter or elsewhere with what you've been doing, what you plan to do, and anything giving you trouble. For me personally, I've been working on my evergreen crafting. This is sort of the blanket statement for crafting old world transmog things that you know we know are going to be good no matter what because people are always going to want transmog other than that been running around outland looking for rares recipes and valuable gathering nodes uh it's just been a thing that i've been very interested in doing recently i kind of had my uh re-spark for a passion of i don't know just finding random stuff in the world so that's been a focus. Then I've also started to uh, do a bit of a Tide Spray Linen Shuffle once again. Uh, more on that later. For the next week, I'm planning to continue doing some Tide Spray Linen when I have a bit more of an AFK time, the evergreen crafting, mess, evergreen crafting, and working on my professions. Going into Shadowlands, I'd like to have a little bit more of a fleshed out uh, profession options, on, especially on my Horde side, since that's probably going to be the main side on which I'm going to be playing the next expansion. Uh, and yeah, the more options you have, uh, the more ability you have to pivot and take advantage of gold-making opportunities. So nothing at the moment giving me trouble, so that is nice. We're going to move on to the market update now. First things first, I would like to make a correction from last week. I had an incorrect price for the Jeweled Onyx Panther on the U.S. Realms. Uh, I missed a digit, and it caused things to be a little bit wild. Everything should be straight this week. So anyway, looks like token prices are a little bit down in the US and a little bit flat on the EU side. 135,000 for a token right now is looking like a pretty nice price for somebody wishing to buy with gold. I'd certainly suggest anyone who uh, wants to get a token to look into that. There's some speculation that the token price might decrease with the advent of the actual expansion. My estimation is that people coming back to the game, people playing the game uh, and not focused on gold making may need gold for various different reasons, buying gear, buying consumables, etc. So my prediction is that it's likely more people will purchase WoW tokens with money, which drives the price in gold down. I've added Elementium Ore to the market update this week for reasons which we'll discuss momentarily. As you can see, though, the percentage increase is quite dramatic. Uh, nothing else of note other than the AOTC price, which is, you know, technically not an AOTC anymore, but if you wish to get a paid Heroic and Azoth kill, which still rewards you a mount, uh, it's still available. And the last I checked, which hasn't, which was at least a week ago before pre-patch, uh, they actually increased the low end of the prices up to 175,000 gold, at least on my source for Alliance. I've got a main topic today titled Item Variations. 
This is something that you've undoubtedly run into in World of Warcraft. Uh, and it ranges anywhere between uh, differences in item level for the same named item. The of the blank, uh, quick lash, fire lash, uh, you've seen them all, modifiers at the end of an item's name. Uh, simple, simply different stats. I've run into this a few times where an item with the same item level, the same exact name, uh, but it just has different stats for no discernible reason. And then also the raid and dungeon difficulty modifier on the item can contribute to its variation. Now, the reason I want to talk about these is due to recent events in World of Warcraft in the pre-patch, there are even more things coming into play here. The relics of the past crafting situation is something that's also going to be affecting this. Now, the thing that I'm most concerned about when it, in, when it comes to this is transmog. So you can have somebody who's crafting, let's say, the Sulfuron Hammer. I don't know if the Sulfuron Hammer is actually eligible for Relic of the Past or not, but let's assume it is. A Sulfuron Hammer, normally you craft it, it's, you know, used to be whatever, 60 item level, because vanilla, and it would go up in the auction house, there was one version, that was it. Now, with the Relics of the Past, we're introducing six new versions of that same item. Now, the, the, the only reason you would buy a Sulfuron Hammer, there's actually two reasons, uh, is either for Transmog, because you want the appearance, or you want to go craft uh, Sulfuros, Hand of Ragnaros. Now, the first one is what we're concerned with, the transmog. The item level itself on the transmog really doesn't matter. You could argue that if you have a market for non-max level players buying transmog, but I just really don't think that's relevant, so we're going to ignore that. Now, introducing the relics of the past, okay, now we have six times more variations on all the different items to deal with. This is okay. Trade Skill Master is equipped to deal with it, but it's tricky and you have to be aware of it. It's not something I've run into yet, posting my crafted stuff, but I think it's going to be coming very, very soon. See, what you can do is craft your transmog item with the lowest level rank of Relic of the Past. And the reason you would do this is to decrease the vendor sell price. The reason that's relevant is the auction house posting fees are based on the vendor sell price. So if you have a piece of slow-moving transmog that you're expecting to throw up in the auction house 50, 60, 70 times before making a sale, well, every time you post it up there, you're paying a deposit you're not getting back. Now, if you can lower that price, that's going to increase your profits. So obviously you want to do that. So for those of you crafting transmog out there, this is something to think about. Now, on the other side of it, if there's people that are going to start to be doing this as they're getting to the point where they need to restock their crafted stuff with the relics of the past trick. Well, okay, now we've got different item variations of the same item that used to be one. And if you do not have your trade skill master operations set up to handle this, you can be get screwed over because you'll either post at the wrong price or post at a price that's way above somebody else's that you just don't know about. I've run into this many times with just random greens from out in the world. You'll get a drop. It says, you know, Market value, 200 gold. Fine, whatever, I'm just going to vendor it. But, you know, if you use the TSM base groups to do your posting, which I have been doing more recently, and I actually quite like it a lot, the base group does not assume 
the ignore item variation option in Trade School Master. This is done to keep things new player friendly, to keep them from making a horrible mistake. Uh, there's no way to turn it off, which is unfortunate. However, so in this example that I'm using, you get a, a green piece of the Aurora, it drops, market value is 200, you go to post it, oh, well now TSM thinks it's worth 1,200 gold. Well, that's because somebody else has posted up a, a version of the Aurora for 1,200 gold. When in reality, the only reason anyone would buy this piece is for the transmog. So of course, anyone going to buy it is just gonna buy the, the cheap 200 gold one. So the way you do this is making in, subgroups in TSM, checking the ignore item variations box before you add the item to the group because it's very important, take note of this, if you don't know, the ignore item variations modifier in TradeSkill Master only takes effect as you add the item to the group. If you do it after the fact, it does not care. So this can be a little bit tedious for anyone trying to take advantage of the TSM base group interaction. Any item you want to post in the auction house is going to have to go into a group with the ignore item variation check marks checkbox marked. So this is something we're going to have to be paying close attention to for anybody dealing whatsoever with crafted transmog. Obviously, there's going to be some cases where crafting the gear have with the different relics of the past versions uh, does not care about item variation. So you're going to, have to take those on a case to case basis. But overall, just pay attention. Uh, one thing that I've been doing a little bit more recently is not just spamming the mouse wheel on my TSM posting. I actually like checking each individual line, just giving it a quick once over to make sure I'm actually wanting to do that. And I think that the benefit of that is going to be very clear in the coming months as we deal with these relics of the past and these other various item modifications. All right, let's move on. Enough about item variations. So bullish, bearish, uh, as I alluded to earlier, uh, uncanny gear. Uh, this also uh, <laughs> it refers to the Tide Spray Linen Shuffle. Uh, previous week, I had the uncanny gear under the bearish column, meaning I thought it wasn't a great thing for the coming, coming months. Turns out I was absolutely wrong about that. People are still buying uncanny gear. The gear is still selling. So Expulsum it's back on the menu, for better or worse. Now, I'm sure most of you are aware, the changes to the Tide Spray Linen crafting, you no longer get random blues, you just straight get greens, and the scrapping gives you the green and blue quality cloth, the deep sea linen and embroidered deep sea linen, I believe is th their names. Uh, a little change, I did, I did like getting the blues, because if you wanted to do the enchanting shuffle in addition to that, it helped with that. This also may be a reason why enchanting materials have seen a bit of an increase in their price recently since they're, you know, it's not as easy to just say, all right, all my blues go to my enchanter, I'll disenchant them. So the supply, I think, is going down a little bit there. I've also added transmog over to the bullish column. Uh, this is crafted and farmed transmog. I think that with a lot of players coming back to the game for the pre-patch and Shadowlands, going to be a lot more players interested in making their characters look pretty or collecting all of the things so definitely look for an uptick in sales of transmog just a couple little things for the news this week 
as I'm sure you're aware if you're paying any attention to engineering or elementium uh, the reason I added elementium to the market update uh, is due to the Luterang change so if you don't know the Luterang is an engineering toy which allows engineers to with the press of a button throw out a boomerang grab the loot of all enemies nearby uh, without having to be next to them I think it's like a 20 30 yard range very very handy item to have uh, it used to require level 1 Cataclysm Engineering. The pre-patch has changed that to require level 70 Cataclysm Engineering. And as we know, human nature, many people did not know, either did not know about this or were too lazy to do it beforehand. Myself included. I actually fall into the former category here. This is one that I just did not know about until it was too late. Fortunately, most of the characters I play and want to have engineering on. They already had it maxed out from years before. That's besides the point. Elementium is up in price because it is an important component in leveling Cataclysm engineering. So if you like gathering ore, Elementium's in a pretty decent spot right now. I think the best method of gathering it that I've seen so far uh, was a suggestion from the WoW Economy subreddit was if you're gonna level a character 40 to 50, in the near future, uh, do it in the Cataclysm Zones with mining and just pick up a bunch of Elementium on your way. Seems like a win-win. You get your leveling out of the way, get experience from the nodes, and you know make a little bit of extra money uh, at the same time. Now that said, the price is already coming down from the ridiculous prices it was at just after the pre-patch hit. But uh, yeah, still definitely worth quite a bit. So there you go. Next thing, uh, lockboxes. These are the things that rogues can unlock for extra loot. Have dynamic loot? What? Okay, so this is really weird. Um, and, you know, a side effect of Blizzard working to make the game more accessible for groups with different level. I, I don't really know where I'm going with that, but the point is, and Sharken808, who love to see, is back in the gold-making community, I uh, did a little quick little video explaining this, but basically the character that you open the lockbox on and actually take the loot out of the lockbox determines the item level of it. Now this actually goes back to the item variations discussion we were having earlier. And I don't know, take from it what you will, but if you care about the vendor price of your items, then you need to pay attention to this. Because if you open a lockbox on a level 10 character, the, the vendor sell price is going to be much, 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 much lower than if you were to open it on a level 50 character. To the point of like, you know, 70 gold difference on some cases. Uh, this is obviously important because of transmog versus vendoring. If you open a lockbox, I would recommend, first of all, do not have auto loot on when you're opening lockboxes from now on, unless this changes. Because you're going to want to see, okay, what's in the lockbox? Is it going to be something I want to sell as transmog, or is it something I'm just going to vendor? At that, and actually, you know, enchanting is something to discuss here too. And I would imagine that there's probably some more depth to it, which we'll have to get into at a later point. But for now, let's just talk about transmog and vendoring. If you're going to sell the item as transmog, I would suggest opening it on a level 10 character because it's going to maintain the appearance, of course, but the vendor sell price is going to go way down, thereby reducing your posting fees. If you open up the lockbox, see the item, and it's just something you're gonna vendor, open it on a level 50 character, you could make an extra 50 plus gold. 
Lastly, let's answer a few questions. Number one, what good are old expansion enchanting materials anymore anyway? Uh, this is something I kind of threw out there in a, a somewhat snide way and got actually some very good answers, responses back. Um, yeah, I've been a little bit disillusioned with uh, enchanting, no pun intended, recently. This doesn't seem like it's that good of a profession right now. However, uh, there are some uses for old world enchanting materials. Uh, namely, the, the one that was most interesting to me was uh, usage for crafting enchanted leather and enchanted thorium. These are vanilla crafting materials required for some good transmogs. Uh, another one are the Tomes of Illusion. Not the greatest sellers at the moment, but uh, those Tomes of Illusion do sell and they do have a nice profit margin if you can source the materials in a reasonably low manner. Uh, and then actually just making the old enchants period. Um, they do sell, they do have value to people leveling up and you know maybe even more so now that sort of the, the pre-patch leveling boom, if you will, is happening. So yeah, a little extra power. Some people actually care about it. Now, I have noticed some old enchants that are priced like ridiculous, like thousands of gold. I, I don't think anyone's gonna be buying something for that. <clears throat> but if you know, you price them reasonably and obviously still wanna make a profit, then I think it's totally reasonable to try and post some old enchants. Next question. <clears throat> what are your ways of making gold now that pre-patch is here? Well, like I said earlier, I've been just running around Outland, crafting old transmog, pretty basically stuff that I was doing before and stuff that I know is going to work. There's lots of new interesting stuff out there. Um, some videos and streams that I've been watching recently, people are doing some crazy raw gold farms in new and interesting ways. Uh, apparently Warlords of Draenor has some spots that are interesting. I encourage you to check out those if that's, that's more your speed. Uh, flipping, you know, if you have a lot of startup capital, flipping is always a solid option. And yeah, I don't know, the relics of the past stuff, it seems like, you know, all the all the things that were investigated beforehand are kind of off the table, but I'm sure something will show up eventually. Um, or, you know, as I mentioned earlier, simply using them to reduce your posting fees. Uh, and lastly, do level, breed, and quality matter when selling battle pets? Uh, yeah, yes and no. I mean, it's not nothing, but it's also like not that big a deal in my opinion. Um, I did spend a decent amount of time selling some battle pets and my general philosophy was to just kind of ignore those things since they didn't really mean too much to me personally now that said if there's a particular battle pet that's very good for actually pet battling then yeah maybe having the level 25 already on it is going to fetch a bit higher of a price so i would say look into the individual pet themselves as to whether or not it matters and in general probably doesn't matter too much all right that's going to do it for this week in gold making uh, again my name is andrew here for dark shore capital uh, here's a list of potential future topics uh i do have a little recommendation watched a movie the other night uh it had some some nice life lessons so if you uh, need something to watch check out Moneyball. it's on netflix blah 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 adapt or die look for that scene that's the one that really got me uh you can find me on youtube of course uh, we're on all the podcasting things too. Stitcher, Google Play. Well, it's not Google Play anymore. Apple Podcast stuff, uh, Spotify, etc. Find me on Twitter at DarkshoreCap. Send me a message. Say hi. Let's talk about gold making, etc., etc. I have an email address. It's DarkshoreCapital at gmail.com. Feel free to send me a message. 
with uh, anything, comments, complaints, suggestions, whatever you like. That's going to do it for me. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day and a wonderful week of gold making. And I'll see you next week.